Once upon a time, in the year of the violent storms that tore in from the sea, the first horde of warriors from a distant land came across our mountains and onto our shores, with steel weapons strapped to their chests and burnished armor glistening like shards of glass in the midday sun. They marched in pairs for as far as the eye could see. They did not ask permission, nor care that they trespassed. Nay, they were on a quest, and nothing would get in their way. Crossing our fair land, they took our horses and our food, trampled our crops, used our women, and killed many of our fine men. They left destruction in their wake, all in the name of God. They called themselves crusaders. They fervently believed that their mission was holy and good because they had been told so by the Pope, who blessed them and commanded them to journey to the other side of the world. They were to vanquish the infidels and force them to embrace their God and their religion. If the heathens refused, the soldiers were to kill them with their holy and blessed swords. The pass through our mountains was the only route that would take the crusaders forward on their quest, so they marched across it in legions. And once they reached the harbor on the other side of the mountains, they stole our ships to sail across the sea toward their destination. Our small country was then called Montchanceau. We were ruled by our uncle, the benevolent King Grenier. He was a man who loved his homeland and wanted to protect it. We were not a rich country, but we were content. We had enough. When the invading horde stole from us, our king was enraged, but he did not allow anger to guide his hand. Because he was such a clever ruler, King Grenier came upon a solution. He would make the next group of invaders pay a toll to cross over the mountain. Since the pass was so narrow, it could easily be defended. The leader of these righteous invaders was outraged at the notion of paying for anything. He and his men were on a holy mission. He threatened to kill every soul in Montchanceau, including women and children, if he and his men were denied passage. Were King Grenier and his subjects in the good graces of the church, or were they heathens standing in the way of the Lord's work? The answer would determine their fate. It was at that very moment that our good and wise king embraced religion. He told the leader of the army that he and all his subjects were just as holy, and he would prove it beyond any doubt. He called forth the people of Montchanceau and addressed them from the balcony of the palace. The leader of the crusading army stood behind him. From this day forward, our country will be called Saint Beale in honor of my family's patron saint. He is the protector of the innocent, King Grenier announced. We will build statues of St. Beale and paint his image on the doors to our cathedral, so that anyone who comes to our shores will know of his goodness. And we will send tribute to the Pope to show our sincerity and our humility. The toll I collect will pay for this tribute. The leader of the traveling throng found himself in a predicament. If he refused to pay the toll, in gold, of course, for the king would accept nothing less, then wouldn't he be refusing to allow the king to give tribute to the Pope? And if the Pope got wind that the crusader had refused, what would the pontiff do? Excommunicate him? Execute him? 
After a long night of contemplation and a good deal of ranting and raving, the military leader decided to pay the toll. It was a momentous occasion, for a precedent was set. And from that moment on, every crusader desiring passage through our lands paid the toll without question. Our king was true to his word. He had the gold melted down and made into coins, and upon each one was the image of St. Beale, a halo above his head. The royal treasury had to be expanded to make room for all the gold coins, and a ship was prepared for the voyage to deliver the offering to the Holy Father. One day, huge, heavy crates were loaded into the ship's cargo hold, and a crowd of citizens gathered at the harbor to watch the vessel depart for Rome. Shortly after that historic day, rumors began to spread. No one could verify that he had actually seen the gold, or could estimate how much was sent. Several ambassadors claimed that only a pittance reached the Pope. The talk of our king's vast fortune swelled, and then receded, like the tide lapping at our shores. Eventually, a quicker route to the Holy Land was discovered, and the Crusaders no longer tramped through our country. We were grateful for the solitude. We were not, however, left in peace. Every few years, someone arrived looking for the now legendary gold. A baron from England came, for his king had heard the rumor. But after our ruler allowed him to make a thorough search for the palace and the grounds, the baron told him that he would return to England with the news. There was no treasure to be found. Because King Grenier had been so hospitable, the baron warned him that Prince John of England was considering invading St. Beale. John, the baron explained, wanted to rule the world and was impatiently waiting to take over England's crown. The baron had no doubt that St. Beale would soon become yet another possession of England. The invasion came one year later. Once St. Beale officially belonged to England, the search for the hidden gold resumed. Witnesses swore there was no rock left unturned. If there had ever been a treasure, it had vanished. <laughs>